0: Hebrews, the third chapter, and um, I took some time during praise and worship. I was, I was singing, but I was also in my, in my inner man. I was praying in the Spirit and, and kind of swapping back and forth between those two things, and I was doing that for a lot of reasons, and one of the reasons is I was, I was just trying to calm myself and, and still myself and, and, um, and just relax and just let the Holy Spirit lead Um, There's no way in five Wednesday nights we could cover everything I have in my notes to cover tonight, and um, so we're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead us and and take our time and cover exactly what needs to be covered. Amen? All right, so the one passage we'll begin with is Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 19, and that passage simply says this, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, he's saying that we can see this because in the verses and even chapters that came before this verse, he is pointing out to us the history of God's people, the nation of Israel, and how God brought them out of Egypt for the distinct purpose of bringing them into their promised land, where God intended for them to live their promised life. The promised land is not just a destination, but it is an environment that will enable you to live the promised life that God has promised each one of us in His Word. So He brought them out of slavery, not just so that He could get them out of slavery and say, okay now, go try to do better, not get caught up in that again. No, He brought them out Deuteronomy 6 says, so that he could bring them in to their promised land. But yet we see the first generation that God brought out of that promised land could not enter in because of their unbelief. Notice it didn't say say they did not enter in. We could make that case, but it used a different word here. It used could not. If you recall, when Jesus went to His hometown, the Bible says He could do no mighty miracles there because of, again, their unbelief. Didn't say He did not do. Said that He could not do. Didn't say that He would not do. Again, it said that He could not Their unbelief made it impossible. Their unbelief in essence tied Jesus' hands and ability to do in their lives what He was on this earth to do in their lives and what He desperately desired to do in their lives. So it was God's desire, it was God's will, it was God's plan, it was God's purpose to bring them out of slavery and bring them into their promised land where they could live their promised life. But He could not, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, there's a bigger subject here. For those of you who have been following this closely, you know, you're like, Pastor Mark, we made it to Hebrews 5, then last week we were in 4, and now we're in 3, and if we keep this up, we're going to be in Genesis before the end of the year, right? But no, no, just amen. I really am so excited about connecting some really important things together. Things that Jesus taught us about faith and instructions that we find in the, in the scriptures about faith and, and, um, and we're going to get there. I promise you we're going to get there. And I know that we've kind of backed up just a little bit deeper into this. It's kind of like um, when you were a kid and, and you played different games and sometimes you would have to get a running start. Amen. A running start means that the start line's here. You get back here, and you get a running start at it, right? Amen? And so we're backing up into Hebrews because I think we're, 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 it's like pulling back a rubber band. Amen? And, and when we really get what's here, it's going to release us to propel us faster and, and deeper and with greater influence and, and, and impact uh, into the things that, that are ahead of us, okay? And so we're getting a running start at it. A run and start at it. And when it comes to understanding the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit is everything. I started to say context is everything. The Holy Spirit is everything. But again, the Holy Spirit has, has written and, and provided and preserved these words from God the Father and, and, and put, them in, made them, put them in our hands and made them available to us. And, and so also when it comes to Scripture, we have to understand something called context. And context is just simply what comes before it, what comes after it. You can make the Bible say anything you want it to say by taking things out of context. And so we want to understand the context of this. And and it's in the context many times that we're able to understand what it has to do with us. Amen. We're not just here to study about some people who lived a few thousand years ago. Right? That's, there's more to it than this. The reason God recorded their history is so that we could learn from their examples and He could build upon those examples and propel us forward into, into greater uh, life realities of, of faith and experience. Amen? In our own lives. Amen. Are you still with me tonight? Okay, so when it says they could not enter in, the context of entering in certainly is the promised land and their promised life. But God had a much simpler word a much simpler word to communicate this idea of a promised land and a promised life. And that word is rest. Rest. Amen. And if you, don't do it right now please, but if you were to read chapter 3, you would see that throughout that chapter God is speaking of their inability to enter into the rest that He had prepared for them, that he had already established, ready, and waiting for them, but they were unable to enter into that rest because of unbelief. Now, the backdrop of what we've been talking about since the end of 2017 on Wednesday nights is the subject of faith, and faith is a big subject. There's a lot to faith, amen, it's a very, very important subject. And, and, and what we've learned is that the correct way to live, the correct way to go about life, to walk, go about life, is faith. And we walk, go about life by faith, not by sight. And yet there are many people, not just in the world, who are walking by sight. We could understand that. But there are many people in the church who are still walking by sight instead of walking by faith. And so it's very important that we learn to walk by faith. Now, I want to I make a... a a, a connection tonight before we dig into some of this. I want to make an important connection for every one of us here. And that important connection is there are levels of life and quality of life that can only be entered into by faith. There are things... When I say things, and I use that word a lot, I, I didn't realize how much I used the word things until I've really gotten serious about writing. And I realize, I man, I use things, 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 things. Like, help me, Lord, give me some better words than things, all right? But, but there are places, there is a quality of life, a condition of life, a level of life, an abundance in life, amen, that Father has prepared for you. It's, it's not He's waiting for you to get there to make it up when you arrive. No, it's there. It's suppers on the table, right? It's prepared ahead of time. But you and I will never experience those levels of life and living and blessing and quality apart from entering into those levels, into those places, into those things by faith. No, They're they're, uh, obtainable no other way. There's no other way you can live on that level. There's no other way you can enter that door. There's no other way you can enjoy that quality of life unless you obtain it, lay hold on it, walk in it, enjoy it by faith. It wasn't that you know these people ceased to live. I mean, eventually they grew old and died in the wilderness. They continued to exist, but not in the reality and quality of life that God had for them. They did not enter into that because of their unbelief. Not because of God's inability, but because of their inability to believe Him and trust Him and let Him lead them into that place. You say, well Pastor Mark, that that just don't sound right to me. I mean if God really wanted them to get there, why did not He just wave some magic miraculous wand and get them there? Well, the answer is very simple. Okay, If we don't trust Him on the levels of life and living that He has prepared for us, those levels of life, and living will not be a blessing to us in the end. They will become a curse to us. I've used this example, right? Okay. Um, It would be one thing for me to bless my son with the keys to my truck when he's 19 years old. It would would be another thing altogether for me to give him the keys to my truck when he was 7 years old. In other words, I just put him into a level of life and living that he was not prepared for. And it was not going to turn out to be anything good for him or anybody around him. So there's that side of all of this, and I, I really didn't have that in my notes to say, but I want to I point that out to you. It's not just that God's like, okay, you finally got enough faith, here, have it. No, it's the faith that you need to get you to that level is also to keep you on that level and to keep the blessing of that level from washing you right out of God's highest and best for you. I've seen it over the years. I've seen the blessing of God in people's lives separate them ultimately from God because they were not mature enough yet to handle the good things, the authority, what have you, that God was wanting to bless them with. So there are levels of life and living that you and I will never experience apart from faith taking us there. It was true of them and it's true of you and me. Now let's keep reading because verse 19 is the last one in chapter 3, but it flows over into chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So notice now he just took it from a bunch of folks who lived in the past to you and me right here tonight. This is written to the church that you and I are a part of tonight, right? And he's saying, look, they came short because of unbelief. Let's make sure we don't come short in what God has prepared for us, our promised land, living our promised life. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, we could spend the next three Wednesday nights right here. I'm going to try to spend the next five minutes right here. The word gospel means good news. Good news. So when he says the gospel was preached to them, just like the gospel was preached to you and me, he's saying good news from heaven, was delivered to them just like good news from heaven has been delivered to you and me. The problem is, they did not mix faith with what they heard, and because of their unbelief in the good news they received, they were unable to enter into God's promised land and promised life. Now, for you and me, when we hear gospel... We think the story of Jesus. We think Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, return to the right hand of the Father, right? His sinless life, His promise to return. And the Bible says that gospel message contains within it the power of God for salvation. And that is absolutely, positively gospel. It's the good news. It's not the only good news, though. God's got lots and lots and lots of good news. Right? Now, the gospel, the good news as it pertains to the children of Israel in slavery, it came to Moses from God speaking to him in a bush that was on fire yet not being consumed. The burning bush. And God told Moses, I will abbreviate and paraphrase, I have heard the cry of My people enslaved in Egypt. I have remembered the covenant that I made with their father Abraham. And that covenant, by the way, was anybody who blessed them, God would bless. And anybody who was mean and ugly and cursed them, he would would deal with, right? I've remembered my covenant. I'm rolling up my my sleeves. I'm fixing to get busy on their behalf. And with a mighty outstretched arm, I'm going to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. I'm going to bless them and prosper them. And I'm going to carry them to the land that I promised and gave to them when I gave it to their daddy Abraham. Moses is like hot dog in a chili pot, man. He goes. He's so excited. He comes bouncing up in there, up into the slave's camp, right, again, uh, his brothers and, 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 and his sisters. And he says, man, y'all are not going to believe this. Let me tell you what God... Oh, I don't, hopefully he didn't say you're not going to believe this. That wouldn't be a good faith confession, right? He said, but they didn't believe it, right? But anyway, he says, he's, let me tell you what God said. God's appeared to me, and this is what God's told me to tell you. And they gave him the hand. They gave him the hand. They're like, man. Moses, man, just bug off, please. You were raised in the lap of luxury, sir. You have no idea what we've had to deal with while you were sitting up there eating filet mignon with Pharaoh like you some big shot. The Bible says because of anguish of spirit and the the cruelty of their bondage, their enslavement, that they could not, key word here, heed, H-E-E-D. They could not heed the voice of Moses. That doesn't mean they didn't hear Him. Heed means to hear and respond. Now I've told you a lot of different definitions over a lot of different things and, in, 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 you know, things that I just paraphrase and try to cobble together to help you connect with it. And one of my favorite definitions of faith is faith is your response to who God is and what God has said to you and about you. Faith is your ability to respond to Him, Right? Faith is God-spoken. God is God. What He says is true, even if it doesn't seem to be true. And so faith is your response to Him. So notice, God sends good news to His people. Their response is, leave us alone. God rolls up His sleeve and gets busy. And with a mighty outstretched arm, He eventually brings them out of Egypt. Right? Are you with me? Now, here's where I want to try to be brief, but we may not get past this tonight. When were the Israelites free from Egypt? Most people may answer, well, they were free from Egypt after the Passover and after the firstborn child and every family died that didn't have the blood over the doorpost and, and finally Pharaoh just said, get out and good riddance. You could make a case for that, but that's really not true. The day they were free from Egypt was the day God said they were free from Egypt. Do you, and by the way, when God, God said, when, when, when you're up out of here, you're not leaving broke. Because these people have worked you like borrowed mules for generations, and they owe you, and they're going to pay you before you leave here, because God is a God of justice. And he did. When they left, they left with the wealth of Egypt. They left decked out in gold and silver. I mean, the Bible says that rich Egyptians were going into their jewelry chests and raking them into sacks and handing them to them on their way out of Egypt. Now I offer to you that when Moses walked up to them and said, I have heard from God, the God Almighty, the God of my fathers and your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... And He has sent me to tell you that you are loosed from the bonds of these Egyptians. And that with an outstretched arm, He will deliver you from their grip. And He will prosper you and carry you to the land that He promised was yours to Father Abraham. They could have said, Hallelujah. My chains are gone. I am free indeed. I offer to you, and if I'm I'm wrong, I'll apologize to you in heaven, but I believe the Holy Spirit showed me this. They could have dropped what they were doing right there went to their neighbor's house and said, we're leaving now, give us what you owe us, and we'll call it even. And those people would have went and cleaned out their jewelry chests, gave it to them, and they could have left. But they didn't, because they didn't believe it was true. They didn't believe they were free when God said they were. They didn't believe they were healed when God said they were. They didn't believe they were rich when God said they were. They didn't believe they had power when God said they did. They didn't believe that they had authority when God said they did. Are you following me, right? Because He said all these things about us, right? Why did they not do that? Because it didn't look like anything had changed. It didn't seem like anything was different. It didn't feel like they were free. And they kept aligning their thoughts, words, and actions with the way things looked, seemed, and felt. So God began to persuade them, right? God began to speak to them, God began to show them. The Bible says when darkness covered the land of Egypt, that the lights were still on in Goshen. That was where all the Israelites lived, right? In other words, all those plagues that came to Egypt, which were a result of what the Egyptians sowed against God's people, they began to reap now. Blood in the water. They turned the water to blood with the blood of, Egypt, of, of Hebrew babies, Jewish babies, right? I'm, I'm just trying to show you here. I, People get real nervous about all this, and I did for a lot of time because God's a good God. But it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing to, to get on the side of His justice and wrath. That's why I thank God for the blood of Jesus, that we're not on that side anymore, right? We're, 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 he calls us friends now, not just sons and daughters, but friends. So when all of these plagues and, and frogs and all that stuff It's like you drive into Hewittown, you see the sign. It says, City Limit, Hewittown, Welcome to Hewittown, whatever. Pleasant Grove, Bessemer, whatever. Have these signs there. Well, there's not a wall there. There's not a fence. There's not a a barrier, you know. But God put a wall there, an invisible wall, a force field. Frogs couldn't get into Goshen. Darkness couldn't get into Goshen. Flies couldn't get into Goshen. God had protected His people. Are you following what I'm saying? So they're beginning, they're, they're beginning to wake up to this thing. It's like, hey, you know, wow. Maybe what Moses is saying is true. And so God brings them out. He brings them out wealthy. Now, watch this, please. One of the most important things that the Lord ever taught me about faith is that there's a difference between something that is factual and something that is the truth. There's a difference between something that is a fact something that is the truth. It is a fact that I have on a pair of black slacks tonight. But it will not be a fact when I get home because I'm not sleeping in these babies dear. In other words, it's a fact that I have them on right now, but it's, 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 it's not, it won't be a fact tomorrow. It's a fact that it rained this afternoon. But it's not raining now. So the fact has changed from it was raining to now, it's not. That's a fact. The truth Is different from the fact. The truth, God is truth, right? Truth is something that's eternal, it never changes. If it's God's truth tonight, it'll be God's truth tomorrow, and it'll be God's truth 10,000 years from now. Our faith is not based in facts, it's based in truth. And Satan tries to manipulate the facts. To confuse you with the facts. See, you you know, what was the police, the old police show? Just the facts, ma'am. No, we don't need just the facts, ma'am. We need just the truth, sir. What's the truth? Man, the devil will play around with you the rest of your days on this planet, aligning your thoughts, words, and actions with facts. And that's what they did. Moses brought the truth to them, the gospel truth that they're free. The facts were. We still seem to be slaves. It still looks like we're slaves. It still feels like we're slaves. So we must be slaves. No faith there, right? Faith is when you align your thoughts, words, and actions with what God has said, which is the truth, even if it doesn't look, seem, or feel like it's true, even if there's no evidence around you that says it's true. Faith says it's true because God says it's true, and I don't care what it looks like. I'm acting on it. I'm stepping out. That's how you get to levels of life and living that are unattainable no other way. Faith. Faith. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Faith. We talk about facts and truth. We also talk about two other words. We talk about evidence and emotions. See, evidence is is often factual. It's fact-based. It's x-rays. It's doctor's reports. It's it's things that we can see with our eyes but remember we don't walk by sight we walk by faith but but the evidence that we can see the evidence that we can hear the sense around physical things that are, that are circumventing that are that are they're circumstancing that, that, that circum sur- surrounding circle around us right we see all these things and it's not just that we look at it in some kind of cold calculated way in the flesh but the evidence then elicits an emotional response. That's what the devil's after every time. He's trying to get to you emotionally. Thoughts drive emotions. Emotions drive choices. Right? I'm sure I'm the only one in here that's ever made a bad choice when you were in an emotional state. No, we've made them bad ones, right? So the devil is trying to manipulate what you see, evidence, to stir up within you emotions, aligning your thoughts, right, your words, your actions, with the evidence and emotions that are being produced by that evidence in your life. That's why the Bible says Abraham... Took what God had promised him and began to honor God and give glory to God with those promises. He let the promises of God, he aligned his thoughts with those promises. That thinking created emotions in him, right? That sustained him as he stood in faith to ultimately receive what God had promised into his possession. If he'd have let the circumstances, what were the circumstances? Man, Sarah couldn't have kids in her 20s. Now she's in her 80s, I believe it is. Moses is well past the age of having children, right? I mean, all all the evidence, all the circumstances, all all the sense realm stuff that was there for him to look at said, dude, you might as well give it up. This ain't happening, right? But instead, he took what God said and he began to glorify God with that promise. He began to align his thoughts, words, and actions with that promise. He told people to start calling him father of a multitude, right? Changed his name to Abraham, from Abram to Abraham. The Bible says he became fully persuaded, he became strong in faith, giving glory to God, and he inherited. In other words, Faith carried him to a life reality that was was not attainable any other way. And that, of course, was for him and Sarah to conceive and ultimately give birth to Isaac. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing why he's the example for us to learn from and follow? So tonight, there's something in your life that you're believing God for. If there's not, there should be. We're coming back to the fig tree and to the mountain and believing in your heart that whatever you say comes to pass. We're coming back to that. Don't you think we've left that because we're coming back to that, right? We're, this is what we're getting to run and start to head back to, okay? Headlong, heartlong into it, right? For those of you who are here for that message, are you speaking to some stuff? Man, I, it's changed the way I pray. Some folks, like I, I get through praying now and I say, and I believe in my heart what I say out of my mouth comes to pass. And they're like, oh, okay. Right. I wasn't saying it to them. I was saying it to my Father in Heaven. I was saying it to the devils who try to tell me it ain't coming, happening, letting nothing change. Man, you... So why do you think it's going to happen? Because I said it! And I believe whatever I say comes to pass. So you're here tonight and you believe in God for some stuff in your life. Maybe something in your finances. Maybe something in your family. Praying for some situation and it's like, man, it's like the more I pray, the worse it gets. Have you ever noticed that? Am I the only one that's ever noticed that? That's the devil, right? He's trying to discourage you. You pray for a financial breakthrough and you get another bill in the mail you didn't know you owed. It's like, well, man, what in the world? And religiousized people will tell you, well, see, bro, that's why you shouldn't be doing that. God's trying to show you you're going down. No, it ain't. God ain't got nothing to do with that. It's the devil trying to get you to start running your mouth and, 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 and washing the Roundup off your poison ivy, right? Amen. We're not doing that no more. We're not doing that no more. We're through with that. Amen? We're through with that? Amen. We're through with that. All right. So you believe in God for something in your life. And, and, and there's evidence... Still in existence, that nothing's changed. If anything, the evidence says it's gotten worse. And now it's starting to create emotions. How do you get past the evidence and the emotions? Faith is the bridge that will carry you over the evidence and emotions what it's designed to do, to get you out of Egypt, to get you out of the hole, to get you out of slavery into your promised land and your promised life. Amen? So the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Listen to me, please. They had a covenant with God, and that covenant provided blessing and benefit. It was feature-rich. Come on now. Feature-rich. That's, that's the, the, the Holy Spirit dropped that word in my heart uh, this afternoon when I was praying about this message. He said, man, it's feature-rich. Lots of features. Lots of, lots of additives. Lots of... Lots of just surprises and stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like you got all the stuff under the Christmas tree. And who even realized there was a $10,000 diamond ring in a stocking hanging on the fireplace? Because usually that's just where you put the candy canes and the chocolate, right? I mean, it's like feature rich. Meaning it's stuff that you don't even know about that's yours. Right? They had a covenant. And their covenant provided some amazing benefits Blessings, rights, privileges, promised land, promised life is what their covenant provided for them, right? You do realize that you, if you're a born-again man or woman in this room, you have a covenant with God. And the covenant that you have with Him is far superior to the one that they had with God and the blessings and benefits of the covenant that you have with God, again, far better, far superior to the covenant and the blessings and benefits that they had with God. So when he says, I gave them some good news, and they didn't mix faith with it, and because of their unbelief, they never entered into what I had prepared for them, he said, you need to make sure you don't come short of what I have prepared for you through what? Unbelief. Verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest. So notice, you enter the rest through belief. As He has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For He has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day. This, of course, was in Genesis chapter 2, right? On the seventh day in this way, chapter 1 anyway, y'all got it, 1st of Genesis. And God rested on the seventh day from all His works. Now I knew ahead of time this was going to happen. We were going to run out of time for I ran out of message. So let me try to start finishing this, okay? We're going to dig into this deeper next week because... When Brother Terry and his crew framed up the interior of this building, you know, this wall isn't one wall. It's too big. They built a wall, and then they built another wall and lifted it up, and then built another wall and lifted it up, right? So they built it in sections and then assembled it. What the Holy Spirit is trying to show us, we're having to build it in sections, okay? And then we're going to put it all together. So I'm glad you're here. Please. If, you, if for some reason you can't be here on Wednesday night, get these messages. They're free. We're not selling anything. All you got to do is ask, okay? They're on the internet. we we'll get you a CD, hard copy of them. We're building this in sections, and, and we're coming up to a next really important section here. Now, I'm not going to have time to fully develop it, but I want to give you at least part of it, okay? In the same way that we see there were different times where God... Gave good news to this group, and it it applied to them, and then and then good news to another group, and it applied to them, and then good news to us, and it applies to us. We also see that there are different. Thank you, Jesus. The big word like mayonnaise is dispensation. Okay, that just think seasons. Okay. So this idea of rest, it all comes back to our Father and the life that He created us to live. But the first place that we see rest in the Scriptures turns out to not be the first place rest actually existed. Okay? Where rest actually existed first was from or before the foundations of the world. Before the foundations of the world, God said, the work was already completed and therefore the rest is already provided before he ever created mankind he created or in his heart he accomplished what was going to be necessary for you and me to enter into what he calls rest then he created heavens and the earth then he created the Garden of Eden then he put Adam in that garden on which day sixth day just before the seventh day, which was what day? Day of rest. And then the Bible says, when God completed all of His works, He entered into a state of rest. Notice the pattern here. God did all the heavy lifting, brought us on the scene right at the end, and says, now enjoy. I'm offering to you tonight that that is God's desire and will for your life. That doesn't mean laziness. That doesn't mean laziness. If you're listening by audio tape, I'm I'm holding up an iPhone tonight. Okay? Do you realize that when God rested, everything that was needed to create this iPhone existed on planet Earth. It was all right there. It took us a while to figure out how to dig it out, process it, put it all together and get some juice to it so that I can look at one of our pastors in Kenya own it and talk to him. When it says that he finished his work, what he is saying is everything that you will ever need and then some is right here for you now. Go enjoy yourself. Sin messed that up. See, we, we look at it now, and we get a, we get a, a, a different version, a perversion. That's what this, we get a perverted view of what life is supposed to be like because sin brought a curse to this planet, right? And the curse altered things from the way God intended for them to happen. Somebody said, "Well, Pastor Mark, God's in control." that there's no truth to that. There's no truth to that. There's no one losing their mind in heaven and going and shooting up a school. That don't happen in heaven. That don't happen in heaven because God's in control in heaven. He gave control of this planet to you and me, and then we turned it over to Satan, and the Bible says Satan, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, lowercase g-o-d, is God of this world. Now God's running the church, and that's you and me, and greater is He who's in us than He who's in the world. And whatever we bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, will be bound on earth, and whatever we loose on earth, having already been released in heaven, will be released on earth. Let's not forget that. Hallelujah. So we, we were here to tend and to keep. Sin turned it into toil and sweat. It, it, it used to be that the earth just produced fruit of itself. Now you got to dig through the rock, clear out the vines, plant the seed, water it, pray that the sun don't destroy it, keep the weeds out of it. Right? None of, that was not how it was supposed to be sin produced that. So again, he created everything that we needed, created us, put us there at the end of it, and said, now, go enjoy yourself and rest. I'll come see you in the evenings, we'll drink tea and talk and have a good time. But before he ever did that, he did something in heaven. We'll talk about it next week, I've got to finish. He did something in heaven, work, ah, oh, sweet Jesus. Revelation says Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, Jesus agreed to die before the world was ever formed. And Matthew says, 25 I think it says, that the kingdom that we're now in was prepared for us before the foundation of the world. In other words, Father God had already agreed to do. He's timeless. That's the part that's hard to explain. And I'm not trying to confuse you right here at the last. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? Right, right, here, right here at the end, I'm not trying to confuse you. But, you see, when God says He's going to do something because He prefers His word above His name, it's as if it's already been done even though the time hasn't passed until He does it. This is why He stood in the Garden of Eden and said there's coming a day when a seed will come from a woman who will crush the head of the serpent. This plan was already in place and agreed upon and the rest that this plan of salvation was going to create for you and me to enter into one day was already provided before Adam, before Adam was created, before he sinned, and took us all down with him. So what does that mean? Again, what does creation put you and me in it and now enter into rest? It means that now that we've been born again, we've been brought right back to that drop-off point again. Now that we're saved, it's the sixth day. Jesus did all the heavy lifting and now he has put the whole kingdom out in front of us. And he says, now go, live by faith, walk in my spirit. Enjoy, enjoy all that I've freely given to you. Amen. Amen. Rest, rest, amen. Stand with me, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, Father. We love you tonight. Oh, we love you tonight. Amen. If you don't mind, if you, I'm not trying to embarrass you, just lift a hand to him right there. Amen. Just close your eyes for a moment. Praise God. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do after we've heard the Word, after we've received the Word with meekness, after we've allowed the Word of God to, to, to come and penetrate our minds and our hearts and, and, and it lands on what I've been praying would be uh, fallow, fertile ground ready to receive the Word today, tonight. and Father, I just thank You now that Your Holy Spirit is working in our lives. He's working in our hearts, Lord. He's he's confirming some things. He's solidifying some things. He's establishing some things. And He is now, in the name of Jesus, imparting some things into my brothers and sisters' lives. Father, we are coming to the understanding of things, not because we've listened to a sermon for 40 minutes, but we're coming to the understanding of some things because our Father in Heaven is revealing them to us by the Spirit of God, even now as we stand here before You, Father. Even now. Oh, faith is rising up. Faith is rising up. I call out from faith to faith, from glory to glory. I call faith forth, Father, from my hearts tonight. It's been dormant in our lives for too long. We call it forth. May Your people rise up in faith. May Your people rise up in faith. May Your people rise up in faith and honor You with faith. It honors You, Father, when we believe You. It honors You when we've never seen You, but act on what You said as if it's true when there's no evidence to say that it is. It honors Your name. It glorifies Your name. Glorify Yourself, Father, again in us. Glorify Yourself in us. Thank You, Father, for what we're learning. Thank You, Father, that although it's impossible to please You without faith, Father, You've given us faith. And we're going to be men and women who please You with the faith that You've given to us. You take no pleasure in people dropping dead in the wilderness, never entering into their promised land and their promised life, Father. And Lord, I pray that You would take pleasure in us because we're going to live on those levels and qualities of life, Father, that are only accessible, only attainable by faith. But Father, we, we, we've charted the course. And you're speaking into our lives, not just so we can be entertained on a Wednesday night, but Father, so that we can have your highest and best, so that we can enter in to the rest that remains for us and our generation. We pray these things in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Let it be so. Let it be so. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight.